Have you ever had an agent tell you that another buyer is coming in with an offer in the next day or so, so you better put your best foot forward? How about an agent who, after you've made an offer, asks you whether you wanted to be informed of other offers or would be happy to let it go because that's your best and final price? I bet you felt snookered. Some agents practice this dialogue day in and day out. Others mean it when they say these things, but how can you tell the difference? So I think I think the consumer needs to just get present to no matter what your reasons for selling or buying are, please get present to the gravity of this transaction because this will make or break the level of choice you have for your future. And whilst you might be time poor and tired and homeschooling or you've lost your job or you're relocating and you've got a lot on your plate, when you give your power away to somebody else without fully understanding what's involved in the effective sale of your asset, I I think that's where people make a mistake. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia and author of Auction Ready. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of a professional. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website as well as down Download our free full or forecast report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au We started this podcast back in 2018 because we wanted to investigate the different ways in which property buyers are influenced, often without them even knowing. Sales agents were high on our list of people to interview and many were incredibly frank in revealing their tactics. But where do they learn this stuff? How do they develop the skills to influence buyers? What's the difference between sleazy sales tactics, a special kind of voodoo or the mark of a professional agent? Today, we're going to get the perspective of one leadership and mindset coach who has made waves in the real estate industry. Tanja Lee started her coaching business in 2015 and is one of those rare people in this industry who didn't come from this industry. The genesis of her business lies in her own experience of being underwhelmed client of a real estate agent. Recently, I've observed a few agent listing presentations and one in particular stood out, a young, sharp agent regaled me with examples of how he uses the smoke and mirrors of highly practiced dialogue to create urgency with buyers. He was cocky and I was nauseous because it dawned on me that he's a disciple of a pretty popular movement in real estate circles. So we reached out to Tanja and asked her if she'd come and talk to us about the differences she sees in the ways agents work to influence buyers and affect sales outcomes. Thank you for joining us, Tanja. <laughs> that is an outstanding intro. Wow. The special kind of voodoo. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, both of you, Veronica and Chris, for the opportunity and yeah, you just completely recreated my experience of being a vendor um, back in 2014, actually 2017. So yeah, thanks for the opportunity to be here, guys. I really appreciate it. No, thank you, Tanja. I mean, you kind of maybe have taken my question out of my mouth. I mean, <laughs> what got you to, you know, you said 2015, I'm thinking that's when you started the business as well. What got you to kind of forge a sort of career and try to make a positive change in the real estate profession? Yeah. So, you know, Chris, I, I was just an average consumer looking to sell the family home and back in November, 2014. And, you know, we had a 
we started a relationship with an agent who did, you know, was really great. Like we were pretty uncommitted at that point and we were just wanting to mm. test the water and see what the value for our asset was. And, and he was great in the sense that he really kind of stayed sticky with us for the year and kept checking in every three months, you know, how are you guys going? Have you made a decision yet? And we're like, no, oh, not sure. And, you know, it came to the point where like, right, we're, we're ready to rock and roll. And uh, so we invited Agent A back into the house. And as soon as we said to him, okay, we're we're ready to rock and roll, his whole demeanor changed. He came back into the house. He literally kind of just walked in, plonked his compendium on the dining table, sat down, pulled out the contracts, shoved it across the table and said, you know, so guys, here's here's the marketing schedule. Here's the commission structure sign here. Right. And, and, and look, and I, I said to him, agent a, you know, I said, look, thank you very much. I said, uh, we have decided to actually also get a couple of other opinions. And this, this dude look to his credit, we gave him all the signs that he was our guy, but he definitely did not graduate from the Lady Gaga poker face school because he was obviously disappointed, which in that, which in that moment told me he was attached to the outcome and a little tip, to, little tip to agents. Yeah. It ain't, uh, it, you ain't done. You're like, until you, you like when the authority is signed, you can probably relax your belly and, and sigh out with the relief of, okay, you're contracted to, for the privilege to sell this person's biggest asset. So he was attached to the outcome. It was really more about him than it was about us. And fair enough, yeah. you know, so we then brought in agent B and I liked her because on paper she had evidence that she was effectively negotiating the highest value for the, the properties in the area. Big mistake that she was making though was every time she asked us a question and we answered it, particularly my husband, uh, she cut him off. She kept cutting him off. She wouldn't listen. She was like pushing her agenda. And when she left, I said, what do you think? He's like, well, I don't like her. I'm like, why? He goes, because mm. she just wouldn't let me speak. And then Agent C came in and he's what I call Switzerland. He was masterful at matching and mirroring, which is a a neuro-linguistic technique of really effectively building rapport. He just really met us where we were. He put his stuff on the dining table. But what I noticed, guys, was he kind of shoved it to the side, leant into the table and said, so tell me about you guys and what would you love to see happen here? And what I find interesting is we had a relationship with Agent A for over a year. Mm. And we met this guy and within 20 minutes, we signed up with him. So uh, it's all about your presence, your authenticity and losing yourself in service of the client and not becoming attached to the outcome. That experience had me really inquire into why do some agents fly and others flop when it comes to building connection and asking Mm. permission to sell people's biggest asset. It's a massive transaction. So I just did about three and a half months of research. I started to uncover what the biggest problems in the industry were. I found a couple of pockets. I was doing entrepreneurial leadership coaching at the time. I was looking for a niche to to um, position my business in. And the more I dug, the more I found that I wasn't the only consumer that was disappointed. And there were some pretty significant gaps in leadership mindset and customer service that I found and went, you know what, I reckon I can jump in and add some value here. And that was <laughs> very that, interesting. And, and that was six years ago. And here you are. It, what, what's so interesting about that story is that, that the sense of entitlement from the first oh. guy who'd been doing the right thing, though, you know, mm-hmm. that's what you're taught, follow-up, mm. fortune is in the follow-up, you know, and yes. do all the right things, work that database, show those people that you're you're there and value and blah, 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 blah. And it's like but crunch time, it's like then you see the metal of the real person. 
you saw what he was really about. Yeah, yeah, and and that that's the thing, you know. You you, you mentioned in your intro this essence of well, what does constitute like a, a good operator and and what doesn't? And for me, there's two types of flavors. There's the transactional agent that's just listing commission, listing commission, you know, next. And then there's the relational agent, and and you know, we know from the Roy Morgan image of trusted professions that real estate agents, particularly in Australia, have been the the third least trusted profession in our country for the last five years. Uh, and that's mm. that's unfortunate because as many chess beating cowboys and cowgirls that are out there, there's also some big hearted game changing agents who are really there to support people in this process. And uh, I think it's a shame that those great agents get tainted with the same brush of the ones that do a poor job. So, Mr. Switzerland, um, did, he, <laughs> uh, did he maintain his level of perfection throughout the whole process? As in, did he keep you know, staying true to his word, being that relationship, sort of the trusted advisor, or did the conflicts or did the transaction or did he fall back to kind of the position that a lot of other agents are back in and transactional? Great question. Uh, what ended up happening was we actually decided not to sell. So we we did, um, and he was great with us. So, you know, we had some yeah. circumstances. So uh, we didn't get the experience of fully selling the property with him and he moved on and, and did other things. And it was like 10 years later that we sold. But uh, what impressed me particularly, and this is a good insight for those that are listening, we know the power of a pre-listing kit, which is just a piece of communication and engagement that you can have with the potential vendor before you meet them face to face. The thing that I appreciated was there was a high level of consistency and high standards from the moment we like spoke on the phone to him sending his assistant with a little uh, pre-listing kit with evidence of their, their um, market knowledge and experience, a couple of complimentary coffee vouchers that just happened to be for our local cafe, which was like, oh, that's kind of a nice synergy. Uh, and then, you know, his service in the listing consultation and then yeah we we signed up with him and then about I don't know might have been two weeks later we're like you know what this we've had some stuff happen and we need to change tactic here and he was extraordinary and he and he uh, it's no surprise he was the number one agent in the area and had been for a good nine years with the brand that he was working with and I mean a lot of that comes down probably to his mindset right so he uh, he's probably got more of a growth slash abundant sort of mindset that came across. And so when you said to him, look, we, you know, life changed, we no longer want to sell. Yeah. He was like, well, that's the right decision for you. I yes. support you. How can I help? Um, exactly. You know, yeah, he yeah. didn't. He didn't. Agent A, as I said, he was. He was. He was shocked. Like his whole face dropped when we when we said we're just going to mm. get a couple of different opinions. This guy, we signed up with. You know, we were like in. We signed up, and uh, and then we said, you know what, no, and and he he did not flinch, Chris. He was, he was so mm. over there with us. And you're right. He had an abundance mindset. He had a service orientation. He played the long game. And that's what a relational mm. agent does. A relational agent isn't there with their um, focused on their own agenda. And um, they understand that real estate is a marathon. It's not, um, you know, it's not a sprint. And the most successful agents are the ones that nurture those relationships long term, because how you treat me in that that engagement will influence whether mm. I do choose you in the future and whether I promote you to my family and friends who are asking me if I know anyone. 
even though we haven't, uh, even though we haven't transacted, it was all in the way he treated us. And he was just, he, he was just loving. He was just real and loving and human. (laughs) And the big, the big test would have been definitely when you said you're not going to sell. Correct. Correct. This guy actually had it in the bag properly as in with a signed signed agreement. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It just reminds me of a story from when I was in my selling days and, and I'm, I lost a listing uh, because I was honest about the price and um, those people, you know, chose another agent. They went through the whole, you know, really demoralising process of then being beaten around the head to be re-educated uh, as to what the real price was and then fundamentally selling for what I'd suggested it would sell for anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they, they they were one of my biggest advocates they mm-hmm. my listing and I got four listings off them. Yes. They, they basically said, don't go with that one. I should, we should have gone with Veronica, really missed, really, really regret not doing that. So you should do that. So, yeah, so those four and then, of course, everybody that they told, I think that was, um, you know, very key to <laughs> me doing yeah. very well for a while there. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we know from the research that CoreLogic RP data have done that buyers and vendors want two key things. So those of you out there that are listening, these are the two key components when looking to choose your agent. Trust and transparency. They're nice big statements, but how do you establish them? Trust is showing up consistently. People by people, not products. They, they're actually buying the agent. They're not buying the brand. They're not buying the logo. They're not buying into your sexy collateral and the color of your flags. They buy into your energy. And if how you, how you show up and how you treat that vendor or that buyer, and if you show up consistently, that's going to establish trust. And transparency mm-hmm. is what you're talking about, Veronica, going, You'd rather tell them the truth around the the current value of their home or the current landscape of the market or, you know, comparable sales or, and, and then you can lie in bed at night and be horizontal with your integrity intact and know that you're, you know, you're not trying to pull the wool over people's eyes because we can, people, here's the deal. You can smell inauthenticity a mile away Mm. and you can smell manipulation. And I think that's some of the greatest qualities that a top agent has is I'd rather you be trustworthy and transparent with me. So I know where I stand rather than be, you know, a a snake charmer, just trying to get the business and then not, um, not delivering. And then, and then the other interesting piece of that research is, uh, this just blows my mind 40. So when a vendor chooses an agent, the research shows that vendors typically lose 47% of their confidence in their agent of choice during the transaction. So many, mm. what this means is many agents are great at seducing the client to get them. They get the listing and then, you know, then the things start falling through the cracks. They say they're going to be at all the open for inspections and they're not. They send their assistant. They make mistakes on the board. They, you know, yeah. make mistakes on the, the um, advertising. They're not fulfilling on their promises. They're not effectively following up. And the shame about that is if I've lost 50% of my confidence in you, I'm not likely to retain you as an agent in the future. I'm definitely not going to refer you. And the most expensive part of business is finding and keeping a new client. So that means that agent has got to go and, you know, generate another 50% more business because you lost me. The problem with that though is that the vendors or the consumer is playing their part in that game because that vendor has allowed themselves to be seduced. Yes, you know? so yes, how do yes. we deal with that? Yeah, great question. 
you know, I know you guys are really big on revealing and illuminating the mistakes that that buyers and vendors make. And and I just want to actually acknowledge you both for creating this podcast to educate all of us on what we need to be mindful of and what we need to do to protect, preserve and conserve our biggest asset, because it is the great Australian dream, as we know. You know, the average Aussie, you know, earns about, I think, $79,000 per annum and the average combined income is one hundred and ten. So it's we work hard for our bricks and mortar, you know, and people want to get a good result. Mm. Um, mm. I think the biggest mistake that um, vendors and buyers make is they – they give their power away. And because it's, you know, inverted commas, it's not an industry they work in or they don't understand it. They, you know, and I'm speaking from experience and from what I've seen over the last six years, they're not doing their own research. Now I, I've, mm. I'm a, I wouldn't like, why would you work your batuties off to get your biggest assets to then engage someone who you, you, you meet online and then in a, you know, a one hour listing consultation, by the way, I call them listing consultations, not presentations. Cause as a vendor, I don't want jazz hands and a sales mm. pitch. I want to, <laughs> I want a conversation. I want to. I want to toss it around. I want to effectively problem solve yeah. together. So I think. I think the consumer needs to just get present to no matter what your reasons for selling or buying are. Please get present to the gravity of this transaction because this will make or break the level of choice you have for your future. And whilst you might be time poor and tired and homeschooling, or you've lost your job, or you're relocating and you've got a lot on your plate. When you give your power away to somebody else without fully understanding what's involved in the effective sale of your asset, yeah. I, I think that's where people make a mistake. And, you know, you can spend under a hundred bucks to get a report from CoreLogic to have an understanding of your property. Like that alone is going to save you a lot of time. Uh, Consumers actually, are savvy if, now. If someone yeah. actually does that and then they're, they're sitting in front of an agent that has done exactly the same thing. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> that's the, a telling sign. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, and that's the thing. Unfortunately, there are very, very lazy agents out there. Do you know how many mm. times I've gone into to have a look at properties myself and I, I go I go in and um you know, and I'll ask how old's the property? Why? Like I'm, I'm asking questions. And this is the other thing, everyone listening, like ask questions, interview the agent. And you can yeah. tell by, uh, the, the way they respond, whether this is just like a, you know, a, a number in a deli or whether this agent absolutely knows the ins and outs of this property and therefore can effectively articulate the highest value of this, this piece of real estate. So I, I think the biggest mistake, as I said a couple of times is mm. uh, consumers, please, please take, no matter what life is throwing at you right now, take the time to invest in looking at what the real estate landscape looks like and also take the time to research uh, agents within your area. And there's some, there's some you know, things that you can do to make that easy for yourself. I think it's a really good point because it's not just regarding real estate, is it? It's really anything in life. If you go in there and pass, pass the baton to a professional or a service provider or whatever it is, if you, you know, you're just basically outsourcing all your risk to someone and you, if you haven't done any due diligence on who you're selecting, um, you, you know, it's just a big risk, right? You're going to come down, you know, three or four weeks later, you go, I'm going to regret that decision. But yeah. if you've spent the time, you've looked around, you've checked some references, 
etc. It may still go wrong, but you're not going to regret your decision as much, and you potentially you're going to get a better result by picking someone better. And um, you know, I, I see that all the time in you know broking financial advice. If you're going to go pick an advisor, you, you know, you don't just go and sign up with the first one. You you know, it's a big decision. You're taking someone on for a relationship. So Correct, uh, correct. You know. And you want someone that's going to work work for you and represent you, you know, and, and, mm. and you know, the other thing is, and as a, as a peak performance coach in the industry, one of the big things I invest my time in is, you know, this is a counterintuitive industry. Like as human beings, we love certainty, security, instant gratification and instant validation. You put your hand up to work in real estate, that's, you're, you're in the lion's den because you're, you're, you're going to get rejected and told no every single day. You're, you know, you work for commission, so you do the work. You get paid three months later. It's the third least trusted profession in the country. So people aren't running down the street going, "Yeah, you're a real estate agent. Awesome, come in and let's put the kettle on." And if you don't have the headspace and the self worth and the value, the personal value to rise resilient in a world of rejection and uncertainty you will become one of those transactional agents and you will not survive. There's so many agents that walk into a home. They, they don't feel good enough. They, they are, you know, feeling insecure. They're coming from a scarcity mindset. They think that real estate is a fast ticket to fancy cars, Mm. shiny shoes and a sexy watch. And it's actually not, this is not about bricks and mortar. This is a people business. You got to master the art of connection before you can earn your commission. But that's very true. Problem here oh, I- with the, the agent, or is it the agency? You know, like if you're a new agent, you could pick to work at lots of different agencies. Is the biggest mistake that they make, they choose the wrong agency. And is it the agencies that are kind of perpetuating this problem by creating this sort of boiler bo- uh, room, you know, mm. sales environment where it's all about just getting listings and getting sales. Great question. I think I think it's a combination. You know, I think uh, an, old, um, an old quote that I heard when I was seventeen and I started my um, management cadet training back with uh, a major retailer many moons ago. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember the facilitator standing up the front saying, "A fish stinks from the head first. And at the time, I was like, "I don't get that. What does that mean?" But obviously, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I know what it means now. I think Chris, uh, I think it is a combination. Nation. I think um, the the brand. It's all about values and ethos, right? So the brand you work for, if it's a cookie cutter, sausage making, you know, churn and burn kind of operation, then you're. It's likely to attract those kind of agents. Some of the best brands that I've had the privilege to work for are the ones that a they treat their agents as the client first because they know they are the ones out there in the field bringing revenue and people uh, to the business and, yeah. and, and expanding the market share. So principals listening to this, my first tip to you is please treat your agents and your team like the client because they are. You treat them like gold. The ripple effect will be extraordinary. And, uh, and I think it's important for when agents are choosing an agency, you've got to have goal congruency. Like, are you singing from the same hymn book? Do you have a shared sense of value? And, um, because the environment that you work in will influence the training that you have and the dialogue that you use and the coaching that you get. And there is a, there is a difference amongst brands for sure. No doubt about it. There totally is. And, and, you know, as you're talking, in my mind, I'm thinking about a number of um, 
you know, boutique brands, but some many of them with multiple offices and the different branding or the different flavor of um, or, and the different communication of their values as well. Yeah. And but some of them that are, are churn and burn are extraordinarily successful. And it's I think mm. it's put down to they work the numbers and they are Correct. highly disciplined and, yes. and they are transactional. There's no doubt about it. But they they are a machine. And I yes. often wonder, how do they keep up the stamina? Yeah, I think, well, so uh, from my perspective, uh, one of the things that I teach there, Veronica, is the three steps for success. And those types of businesses have really nailed this to a degree. Uh, The three steps for success are number one, raise your standards. So this is about absolute clarity and precision on your why, your values, your vision, your financial game plan, and you've got to turn your shoulds into musts. So, you know, we we know we should prospect, we know we should call, we know we should follow Mm. up, we we know we should do uh, effective data entry in the CRM system um, for clients, you know, for consumers listening. That's just the, the tool we use to have your details clear. We know what we should do, but most people should all over themselves and, and haven't defined mm-hmm. their musts. Um, so you have to master your must. So that's number one. Those kind of agencies that you're talking about, they've got very clear financial goals and that's the that's the kind of North Star that they follow. They're, they're not yeah. apologetic about wanting to be ridiculously successful. The second step for success is simplify your strategy. So this is where things are extremely extremely systemized and automated to build efficiencies and effectiveness. So it is that well-oiled machine. It, sometimes for some agencies, it can come across as a little bit Wolf of Wall Street and, you know, different strokes for different st- folks. There's, you know, the agent, agent, Mr. Switzerland that we chose, it was, it, it was literally, he said, you know, what would you like, what would you love? Now that's not the language of every single agent. That was very warm and fuzzy and that spoke to us. And, and so, but there are other vendors out there that, you know, you say, what would you love? And they're like, what are you, t- like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not Kumbaya, you know, have a chai and knit doilies. We're actually wanting sell to sell house. our home. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's also, you know, uh, you need to you need to be a chameleon. You need to research your your vendors and and buyers so you can actually reverse engineer your approach. Uh, that's what great agents do. Uh, and then the third step for success is uh, elevate your state. And for me, this is the biggest one in this game because you have to you have to become masterful at rising resilient in a world of rejection. When you fail, if you decide, and this is what most people do. We fail, we lose the listing or we, you know, it goes to somebody else. And, and what, what the, the best agents do is they don't make failure mean they're a failure. They don't make no mean I'm not good enough. They just, they separate the facts from the feelings yeah. and they get back on the court really quickly. So um, I think that's what constitutes those kind of agencies is that they're really clear, they're super systemized, they're super efficient. And they've got a very robust constitution for continuation. Yeah, robust constitution for um, resistance of rejection. <laughs> they do. It's true. Yeah. But you have to. But, you you know, for me, you couple, you you add those distinctions with wholehearted love. Like I, I had a, a, one of my coaching clients yesterday. She's the number one in her area in, in regional Victoria. She's just spent this way. I mean, this is a whole different perspective, but she's been doing this in lockdown. She's just baked 500 cupcakes and delivered it to her, you know, people in her community. And she's been delivering bottles of wine to all the clients that she knows at her home schooling. She's like, mama's little helper, dad's little helper, you know, and she, she does that because that's who she is. I'm clear. 
she's number one because of those kinds of things that she does. If you like what you're hearing here, please share this episode with others you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave us an iTunes review? Five stars, please. Every review helps make it easier for other people to find us and hear what our amazing guests have to say. We love hearing your questions and we're planning more listener Q&A episodes. Please send your questions in. You can send them via the website, which is theelephantintheroom.com.au or directly via email to questions at theelephantintheroom.com.au. I find that, you know, lots of professions, but especially in real estate, there's always the 80-20 rule, right? Like 20% get 80% of the, the work. Yeah. Um, and especially in real estate, it could be even more than that, you know. It's always harder for these new agents sort of to have this abundance mindset. They're coming to the area, but then yes. 90% of the work goes to these two agents. So how do they sort of dislodge them and over time? You know, this is a really good question. And, and so what I would share is... Um, you go in not at, go in with the it's all mindset and this is where the principals and the directors have really really got to nurture these new you know green agents whether they be female or male it's of the gender it really doesn't matter uh, you can't go in looking to land uh, every deal as a green agent if you don't go in feeling backed by your agency. So my tip here is rather than go in as this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed new agent, you know, hungry for the listing, which is definitely part of the equation, you want to make sure that you go in feel like representing and communicating, you know, on behalf of the agency. So you feel backed. Now, obviously, you know, mm. a, a good principal and a good director will initially be the training wheels for that agent and they will attend the listing consultations and they will be there and let the agent lead the conversation. They may provide a safety net and kind of catch the moments where maybe they get out of rapport or they miss an opportunity because the principal knows those nuances. And then they sit in the car and they effectively debrief without stripping them to shreds. Like you, we, we need great leadership in this industry and that, there's a whole conversation there. I've done a lot of research on that. So I think the principal and the, the director, it's their responsibility to make sure that the green agents are going in feeling like they're part of a team where it's got collective years of experience. They're speaking yeah. as, as, a, a, as, as we, not I. And in addition to that, I'm a big fan of vulnerability and courage. I I love transparency and people can smell inauthenticity yeah. a mile away. And as Tom Ferry says, the international real estate coach, Tom Ferry says, you know, you can smell commission breath. If you as a new agent, <laughs> you can. So if That's you as an, if you as a new agent are sitting there at the kitchen table or the dining table and you say, you know, like I'm really proud to represent a brand that has, you know, 45 years experience. You know, I say that not to, you know, chest beat, but to say that, you know, we have more people in our community choosing uh, us to partner the sale of their biggest assets. And we don't take that lightly. And when I, if I talk about myself as an individual, I'm new to this game. I want to share something that's game changer. If you're an agent listening to this, hi, by the way, I want to give you access to significantly increase your listing conversion rate. If, if that's of interest, guys, I'm happy to share that here. Uh, I think the agents need to also just say, look, you know, I'll be honest, I'm backed, you know, I'm backed by an amazing agency. I am new to the industry. And so I am, I am absolutely hungry to be of service. I don't have 40 listings that I'm managing at the yeah. moment. The, the, your home is my number one priority. 
And so I will be doing everything I can backed by my principal and director to ensure that we get the greatest result for you. And so you're not competing with any other vendor right now. You just get me fully. Some people do respond to that. I remember, you know, when I was a sales agent, I was, you know, number one for neck and neck with two other agents for number one position for the last four years I was there. And, and you know, so obviously sold a lot in the area. And every now and then I'd come up in a, a listing, uh, you know, for a listing presentation or consultation with a potential client and they'd be saying, well, you know, are you going to be as hungry as this newbie? And I was always really shocked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like, well, yeah, I'm still hungry just because I've been around a bit. But, <laughs> but, it's, but it's, it, it's funny that, that some people do respond to that pitch. But yes, some do. But I don't think a lot would if you if you don't couple it with backed by the agency because it's like, oh, yes. I'm dealing with someone that's inexperienced. Like I want someone that's yeah. cut their teeth, you know. So it's not something that can be done in isolation, I don't think. Uh, I think you, you'd Very need a, a combination of both for sure. Very so true. So we flip the conversation a bit from the agent to the buyer. What are some of the things that buyers should be aware of that, agents are trained at or agents potentially uh, not manipulating because I don't really like that word but agents are potentially getting better results out of them as buyers because they're using certain like tools I guess you know if you're flipping it from a buyer's point of view what are some of the best ways they can better get better results with agents yeah well I think a couple of key things are as I said before, please do your preparation. Don't don't give your power away. So, you know, do your preparation. What And there's two factors. A, spend some time having a look at the, the major portals, uh, you know, realestate.com and domain on, you know, just do a search of properties in your area so you can get a sense of what the current sort of value is or the, the marketplace is. And then, of course, do the research on your agents that, you know, there's the digital interview has been happening solidly, meaning that you know, people aren't going, people aren't getting ink on, you know, as they scroll through the yellow pages on their finger. Now they are literally going online and looking at who are the, who are the top agents in the area. And they are doing digital interviews before they even ring. So pay also pay attention as you're driving around your local community, just notice, especially on weekends, how many boards are out? Who has dominance in the boards that are out? That's going to give you a really clear indication of who's doing um, mm. more, more business out there. And, um, and the biggest thing I would say, which is going to sound a little woo-woo, but listen to your intuition. Your intuition, your gut, which is an acronym for give up thinking, will tell you more um, than your mind will. So when you are speaking and I'm a really big fan, guys, of this distinction called how you do one thing is how you do everything. So when you're when you're looking at agents to choose, notice um, the language and the the dialogue and stuff that they use online. Go to their private Facebook page as well. You'll get an insight into you know the kind of person that they are. So if they've got on their you know realestate.com agent profile that they're philanthropic and, you know, ch charitable and, you know, they believe in giving back to the community and, you know, they're this kind of persona. And then you go onto their personal website and it's, um, you know, just, uh, 
rooftop and dancing on and Ibiza, <laughs> you know, exactly. then then maybe that's not so, um, you know, right. Maybe they are as well. But, you know, just do this. Do you, it's just the biggest asset, you know, and this could this could determine like tens of thousands of dollars, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars difference. Uh, so you must be prepared uh, with some market knowledge and agent knowledge. You must research the agents both professionally and personally is, is my opinion. We're not spending weeks on it, but just have a little look, get a sense of who yeah. they are, see if there's compatibility with how, how they're broadcasting themselves. Prepare for the listing consultation, like prepare your questions, interview the agent. One of the biggest things that uh, that I train agents in, and this goes back to that tip of you know how to how to convert, and and this is also a big message for buyers, which I know you want to get across. Uh, every agent in a listing consultation says what they do and how they do it. Here's what we do. Here's how we do it. Here's mm. the marketing campaign. Here's the way the photography is going to look. Here's when it's going to be online. Here's what the board is going to look like, and here's how much it's going to cost you. Blah blah blah. Everyone does that, but. Not many agents say why, and this is a huge, huge thing because we literally have three brains. We have the subconscious brain, we have the limbic brain, which is the emotional brain that makes decisions, and it's always fly fishing for the why. Why do I choose agent C versus agent A or B? And then you have the neocortex, which is the rational brain. So if I'm a buyer and I'm interviewing three agents, all of them, Guys will be saying, here's what we do and how we do it. Here's what we do and how we do it. But if you can, if you have an agent that says, you know, Veronica and Chris, before I share with you how I can meet what's important in the sale of your home and demonstrate how I can meet your expectations of an agent of choice, would it be okay if I told you why real estate, like why I do what I do all automatically? And you asked me, Chris, you know, what are some of the things that great agents do? This is one is if I say, would it be okay if I told you why, bang, I've turned on your limbic brain because you're looking for why you versus A or B agent. Mm. And if I say something like this, now it's not just the words because, you know, energy, you can, I can be saying something, but can be completely inauthentic. So you want to feel for resonance. If I said something guys like, you know, for me, it's really simple. I, I love real estate because it's an opportunity to achieve financial freedom. I love nothing more than negotiating the highest value for your biggest asset because I know it's going to give you greater access to choice in the future. And, and here's an example. And if I pull out a book and I don't just show the bricks and mortar story, but I show, you know, here's Fred and Ginger, their dream was to always, you know, open a Turkish bar. We, we were able to get $35,000 more for them. And that's us on opening night, having some baklava and a coffee you know, like, and, and here's so, yeah. and so, and so, and so, and you tell those stories that engages me, uh, in a way that's not transactional. So please make sure that you ask the, your agents, like why real estate? Why do you do what you do? Especially if you, you know, least what the third least trusted profession. And- exactly. <laughs> now, um, Going back to one thing you said about using your gut. Now, with buyers, we said, you know, there's there's a gut thing that a lot of buyers have. And, and firstly, if they don't trust agents, it's going to be difficult yeah. trying to work out who they should trust and who they can't trust. And, and I keep reminding buyers, look, you know, you've got to understand the agent works for the vendor. A good agent will do their best to actually help you, but you've got to understand the buck stops for them with the vendor. Um but the thing with buyers, you know, there's so much dialogue out there at the moment that does does manipulate buyers or influence buyers, depending on what words you want to use. Um, 
And there is so much ability from the agent's uh, perspective to create urgency. And I've heard this mm. recently from, um, from a lot of agents are saying it's our job now. The market is, you know, the market slowed mm. down for a couple of years. It started peaking again and COVID's hit. It's, it's there's a, a level of um, uh, concern, shall we say. I mean, it's still fairly strong. You, you look mm. at Sydney clearance rates. We're looking at mid, mid-60s and have done so since May. Mm. Um so it's, it's strong enough, but there's a level of um, uncertainty out there in the marketplace. And when that's the case, the agents say, right, well, it's up to us to create urgency. Mm. Now, so they are doing that, some of them very, very consciously and mm. some of them a bit nefariously, really. Um, how do buyers, I guess, sniff out those <laughs> ones is when FOMO is going on, where they're actually found a property they really love and mm. they don't want to miss out and there's all yeah. that stuff from the elephants running rampant in their brains. Mm. Um, but And then there are agents out there absolutely very, very, very deliberate in this in this approach. Yeah, I, great. I mean, like how long have we got? Great question. Um, <laughs> this for me really comes down to buyers spending the time to get really clear around their non-negotiables and making sure that they are uh, really well prepared as much as possible, i.e., you know, some of the biggest mistakes that buyers make are, you know, they buy emotionally, they, 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 they overspend, they haven't got their finance pre-approved. So they're, they're wasting a lot of their time and they can't make, they can't make decisions with a sense of embodiment and clarity and purpose. And when you aren't centered as a buyer, you're more easily uh, manipulated for lack of a better word, because you can be like you can be. So I think you have to really make sure, first of all, before you even engage with agents, you've got to really powerfully separate the facts from the feelings, the emotion from the economics of the transaction, because it's a highly emotive situation. You're dealing with a family home. If your emotions aren't in check, you you may get seduced. You may get um carried away with a very clever smoke and mirrors kind of agent. So embodiment mm-hmm. of your, you know, economics and emotion, the facts and the feelings I think is critical. Does that make sense? Like just really separating that. the two? Mm-hmm. It does. The thing is, that, and this is the thing about the elephant in the room, the elephant is the metaphor for the subconscious mind. And psychologists Correct. will say that the subconscious mind is driving upwards of 85% of our decisions. You know, 85 if you're quite conscious and up to 95 if you're not. And yes. so therefore you might be able to separate them, but can you actually withstand the pull of the elephant is the, is the challenge, right? <laughs> That's right. So, so I guess what I'm keen for, from your point of view, you've been working with agents now for many, many years. You, you've you seen the the signs of a transactional agent versus a relation, relational agent. You've, you've talked about that sort of the beginning. From what are some of the things a transactional agent will do when they're working with buyers that a relational agent won't do? Okay, so a, a transactional agent uh, is very eye-centric. They, you can feel like their energy is very much talking about their agenda, what they need to do, uh, what you know, what the vendor needs. They, you can sense that they're not really nurturing the relationship with the buyer or seeking to understand the buyer's perspective. There's a, there's a, there's a not harshness, but it's, it's, it lacks a bit of empathy and it lacks a little connection. It just feels black Mm. and white. Uh, it's Mm. just, well, this is the way it is. Uh, so I think it's a, it's definitely an energetic thing. 
Uh, I think you can also feel a sense of there's an edge. So you you can feel the sense of, okay, so yeah, like you said before, Veronica, the agent is representing the vendor first and they can be quite abrupt and harsh and like this is the line line in the sand, uh, which is a good thing because I guess buyers kind of know where they stand, but that's definitely, (laughs) uh, you know, that you know where you stand, but I think a relational agent has this capacity to make you feel like they're working harmoniously with both parties to try to come together and meet in the middle where they honor the vendor's desire of getting the highest value, but also creating um, a, a space for the buyer to fulfill a dream. There's a very different, there's a different resonance. There's a different language. There's a different energy about it. Uh, I, I think it also comes down to, as I said before, if you have not done your research as a buyer and you have no idea what the the comparable sales are on the properties that you're looking at and you are going in blind, you're in a disempowered orientation from the get-go and if an agent can sense that, if you don't know what you're talking about, like do you know how many times as a vendor or buyer myself, I've been more educated on the properties than the agent has and the power play shifts instantly. All of a sudden I have the upper hand and they go, oh, crap, like this this chick knows her stuff, right? I didn't even tell mm. them what I do for a living. Um, I just, they can see, I know what I'm talking about. I know what the comparable sales are. I know what the, uh, I've already got, a, you know, I've already done some research. I know what they bought the property for. I know how much the build was. I know how long it's been on the market. I know it's gone to three different agents. I know they're the fourth agency that's had it. Like when you show up like that, you have the power. And that's what I mean. Like I think that's the biggest mistake that buyers make. So mm. um, the other thing so would be. Yeah. No, you go. Some buyers, you know, they, they faff about, right? They, they, uh, you know, there's a saying that I heard some years ago. I was quite like, there's a point at which you need to piss or get off the pot. Right. And um, (laughs) you like that. So, you know, and as an agent, Mm. so there's, there's a point at which they're going to, Try to a volume agent. We call them volume agents. As somebody mm. that's just really churn and burn, they just mm-hmm. they really want to, and they'll they'll use this language. I want to sell it quickly so I've got I can help more people. And it's like ah no, it's actually yeah. so you can fill your own bank account. But mm. um, the the idea is um, that there are buyers out there who need a shove. They need a nudge, you know. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as a buyer's agent, you know, when I, I I can work some of our clients can be like that. And but we're on their side and they're paying us, and so mm-hmm. they're our loyalty belongs to them and if we nudge them it's because we know based on everything that we've understood about them that that is a good decision for them Um, but a selling agent still got to get a job done right and so there are those buyers out there that need that nudge how does a relational agent work to help motivate and uh, create urgency with those sort of buyers um which is distinct from manipulating. Yeah, I think it's all in the delivery of the communication. So I think, you know, if I if I was a relational agent and I've, you know, obviously a number one, I'm, I am, I'm engaged by the vendor to produce a result. And, you know, a great relational agent does treat buyers like future vendors because that's actually what they are. So, mm. you know, it's, it, you know, it just comes down to delivery of communication and transparency. So, you know, if it was me, and again, just for full transparency, I've never listed and sold a property in my life. I'm an average consumer that saw a problem that, did some research and was of service and I don't know how, but got some awards for the work that I've done. And, you know, so I must be doing something okay. But I think, you know, if 
we've got to remember we're just human beings at the end of the day. So I think a good relational agent will say, you know, Veronica, I want to be really transparent with you. I, I want to get a really amazing result for my vendor because, you know, it's my job to get the best result for them so they can get greater choice for their future. I equally want to get a great result for you because I know you really love this property. And I'm going to be upfront and transparent with you. I'm not going to play games. I'm going to be really clear about this is the price that is going to make this process happen and the deal done. And so I'm, I'm, you know, it's your choice whether you want this property or not. I want to support you in that process. But that's this is it, and you've got to be you've got to stand firm in the in the value that you're trying to get for that particular vendor, and so I, I don't think it's any trickier than being mm. really straight about you know I I want to get the best price for my client and I want to support you in fulfilling a dream here, but we have to work together to get on the same page, and so. I don't want to, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to play the games of, you know, you do an offer and then we're playing $5,000 here. I'm going to be really transparent and let you know, this is what's going to have you in the game. I have to respect the privacy of the other people that we're negotiating with. Uh, But like, I'm going to let you know if this is your best price and that's it, whether you're in the ballpark or not, I'm not interested in smoke and mirrors with you. So, I mean, we, a lot of our clients use buyer's agents. A lot of them um, don't because it's, you know, whether they uh, haven't met a great one or they yeah. can't afford the fee if they're first yes. home buyer, yes. et cetera. And a lot of them will pretty much always ask, so what's the value? And it's not mm. because they haven't gone through the experience before. So they don't, you know, really understand and they think, mm. oh, it's all about finding the property. Yeah. But for me and Veronica, you might disagree with me, but I think one of the biggest value adds would probably be that negotiation part. Yeah. Actually, that uh, conversation because, you know, the buyer is, you know, there's so much smoke and mirrors and so much distrust there. We had a client just recently, they were buying a property down towards sort of Cronulla and um, it was like a Thursday um, and then all of a sudden the agent calls him and um, he's not using a buyer's agent and uh, we're having a chat and I said, look, the agents all of a sudden found two other buyers and they're mm-hmm. all of, they're in like three ducks lined up in a row as well. Mm-hmm. And like this, my client's in the middle. Like I've got someone below you. I've got someone above you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking like $10,000. Um, mm-hmm. And my client called me and going, this is a very convenient story on a Thursday mm-hmm. that it's all going to happen tomorrow mm-hmm. on Friday. Um I mean, it sounds like it's just too convenient, but we just don't know, which is what I said to him. I said, well, yeah. And the property sold on Friday and it mm. sold for 10 grand more than mm. um, he was willing to, well, what their offer was. And so the agent was actually saying the truth. And that's the thing, like, mm. you know, in that story, you would think that the agents just got this convenient story. It's not going to yeah. sell. And then it sells. And so yeah. it's very hard for the buyer to truly know. And I think that's where the buyer's agent is in there and probably gets the truth a bit more because of the relationship. Sure. Would you agree, Veronica? Mm. Sometimes, yes, absolutely. Sometimes we do get the truth because of the relationship or we, we can interpret um, yeah. what's being said. And we think, yeah, I've heard that one before. That's on page 73 of that type of sales agent manual, you know. Um, the problem is that sometimes they're telling the truth, as in this example. And the dialogue that we have, if you want to use the word dialogue, I guess I just did, um, you know, the conversation we have with our clients around that is, look, okay, in this particular agent, 
we suspect they're telling the truth, but we will never know unless you mm. pass on it. So That's if right. you want to call their bluff, then then we call their bluff. And mm-hmm. it might be that you end up with it for 10 grand cheaper. But if it's more important for you to buy this property than mm-hmm. it is to let it go. Mm-hmm. And if we're also we do our full pricing research beforehand. So we've got a very, very clear idea on what it is worth. And we've also have we have a framework that we go through with our clients to help them set their maximum offer before we start negotiating and that's the other thing that is so important that people start negotiating within their mind the price they want to pay not Mm. the price they will pay if Mm -hmm. they have to Mm. and that is a really key difference because what's happening there they then got this um uh, they're they're dealing with FOMO and disbelief Mm. at the same time two emotions or two sort of forces that are pulling them in different directions and then they go into this inertia so some Mm. people do nothing they miss out on the property they should buy some people then pay too much they'll never know and then they'll kick themselves and they'll feel like they're overpaid for the rest of their lives and and they're not taking charge of that actual negotiation themselves so it's it's very fraught and at the end of the day, you know, by remembering what the agent is trying to achieve, yeah. and some of them do it in really dodgy ways because they don't have the skills to do it any better. Yeah. And then remembering what the property is actually worth in the marketplace and also then understanding what it's worth to you personally, yeah. then you can actually make a better call. And I think, and to add to that, what it's worth, what I know and, and one of the training pieces that I do with agents is also to... I think a huge missed opportunity is when you're getting down to the final negotiation in some cases, as you guys well and truly know, it could be five grand, 10 grand. Like it's, you know, it's like we're splitting hairs in some, in some ways. Uh, I think a massive missed opportunity is when an agent actually neglects to say, listen, you know, Veronica, you know, another $5,000 or $10,000 now, let me just paint a picture for you. In the value of this property in seven to 10 years time, you're going to spend an extra five to 10 now to get it. And in 10 years time, you've got an extra $150,000 worth of value. So are you willing to actually make this happen for yourself today by, you know, going beyond what you expected to pay and invest another five or 10 grand that will actually get it across the line based on the current offers I have, knowing that that created investment where this asset is going to be worth an extra X amount of dollars or, you know, whatever it is in, you know, seven mm. to 10 years time. And I think that's the responsibility of a good agent because it's not, it's not like we're going to the milk bar and buying a bag of mixed lollies. It's going to be consumed and then it's next. It, it's an investment that is going to yield great value over time. Might, might. Well, yeah. yes, <laughs> might. <laughs> might yield great. And the, and I hear what you're saying and you're, you're, you're in the business of training real estate agents um, and that is, you know, good practice from their part. However, nobody can guarantee A, Correct. if it's going to go up, B, how much is going to go up. And, um, and I always draw people's attention back to CoreLogic's pain and gain report. Every quarter, yeah. <laughs> we remind of the people that sell at a loss. Um, well, yeah, you said, you said the two emotions, Veronica. You said FOMO, and what was the other thing they were feeling? Because I, I said yes. Trust. It's they're feeling yeah. fear because they they actually feel it's obviously it's it's FOMO and fear two different types of fear fear of being lied to and fear of missing out yeah yeah, yeah. and it's also the ego in there as well. We I spoke a lot about this with the client. I was like. You know, you probably want to win in this little battle with oh, the agent because yes. you feel like that you, your fair, fairness is definitely a value of lots of people. Mm. Right? We want to 
um, treat others like we want to be treated. We want to go about the world and think that things are fair. And then you want to, when you transact, whether you're negotiating with anything or just buying a service, you want to feel like you're, you know, you're winning a little bit, but you also want to feel that it's fair for both sides. And I think, you know, in this situation, he was, I guess, focusing a lot on whether he was telling the truth or not. Mm. Um, and is he, is he and that became the, the most important thing to him rather than buying the property? Yeah, well, we spoke about it and he acknowledged it and we both kind of laughed about it a little bit and we went back to, is this the right property? Is it really the right thing for them? You know, then we started talking about, you know, is 10 grand, will you feel upset if you lose the property, all those sort of things? Um, and he's like, yeah, and they ended up, I think it's, you know, actually I think the reason they didn't go ahead wasn't because of the ego or because of the fear of missing out. It was that they just didn't 100% think it was the right property if they didn't get it. And so it was end up being the right decision for them. But dodged. Yeah, but it's it's interesting in that transaction, it goes, a, you step away from is what you're trying to achieve to I want to win this little negotiation. And There's the elephant. Um, yeah, exactly. Hey, um, yeah, yeah, Ta- yeah. That's, Tanya, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, ag- agents have to have an ego, you know. It, mm. You need a healthy ego to be an agent. Mm. And um, an ego is not a bad thing. Mm. But, you know, how do you coach agents to deal with that and to sort of diffuse <laughs> that situation? Well, ha- yeah, that's a whole other podcast. But, you know, I think... Um, yeah, it's ego. So from my orientation, we, there's two places we can be. We can be in our soul and our greatness and in, in our who we are as a creator. And then we can be in our ego. Typically ego, what happens when we're in our ego, it's, uh, it's a mask for our the wounded child where we didn't get love and acknowledgement from our mother or, or uh, sorry, lo- love and nurturing from our mother or acknowledgement and praise from our father. So we uh, our agenda in our ego is to seek validation. And we sit, we overcompensate and that, and why, uh, often it's considered this industry can be considered as a very egoic industry because people can be very driven by chasing the shiny. They, many agents think they're going to come into here in this space and get instant success and drive those cars. And do you know how many agents, uh, portraying a persona and a lifestyle that's actually not real and the level of stress, substance Mm. abuse, suicidal thoughts because they are pretending to be something they're not. Yeah. It is. That's a massive elephant in the room. It it attracts people that think that they're going to get validation by chasing the shiny and being seen, inverted commas, as successful. That is, I mean, I think from the last piece of research I did in the last two years, there's been about 19,000 real estate agents that have exited the building. And I think it's because they've like, they've left the industry. I think it's because they get a massive reality check that you don't show up and then get the, the watch and the shoes and the car within three months. If you don't have a constitution for, you know, hard work and, and tenacity and resilience, you're going to struggle. Uh, interestingly though, when I do peak performance coaching, the amount of agents that have said to me, Tantra, I don't want to lose my ego because that's the thing that drives me to succeed. And I go, I get that. But here's what's interesting. If you're chasing, um, being validated by external, you know, validation, it's an, it's an exhausting, never ending chase. And no matter what, it's never ending, no matter what award you win, no matter whether you're number one, no matter the biggest sale and record or whatever it is, you will never, ever experience a visceral sense of I 
am enough. And yes. that's what constitutes a transactional agent because they are entering people's homes trying to fulfill the pursuit of being enough versus making like Gandhi or Mother Teresa and losing themselves in service of the client time after time after time and letting the sold stories uh, speak for themselves. Well, that's a fabulous way to, I think, segue to our next segment, which is the <laughs> number of the week. <laughs> I'm going to, that's, that's, a, I mean, that's such a great wrap up of really, I think, what's yeah. fundamentally wrong with, with part of our industry. Yeah. Um, do you have a Dumbo other than that? <laughs> no, do you know what? Uh, I think, you know, it's really just considering, you know, the, the buyers, uh, you know, that, that part of the audience. And I know I've said it a few times. I, my invitation is um, Dumbo is as Dumbo does. Please don't be dumb about uh, the biggest transaction of your life. Please educate yourself and and do this, listen to this podcast to educate yourself on the things that we need to do to, to make solid decisions. Please don't give your power away to agents and get seduced by great dialogue because it could cost you thousands and thousands of dollars and, and years and years of your life because you, you didn't take the time to do your research. I, I think that's, a, that's the dumbest thing we can do um, as consumers. So true. And I mean, we're singing from the same hymn book, obviously, but thank you so much for Tanja for coming along mm, my pleasure. And, yeah, and discussing this because these are things that have to be discussed. You know, I think, you know, I'm very proud to be a real estate agent. I've been mm. on for 20 years you know, and, and, and I want, you know, I want us to become a profession, but we're not mm. going to become one until there's some significant change in, in mm. the bulk of the industry. So, um, and you yeah. highlighted it. And I think it's the the consumer can we we like we can just stand for greatness like the, as I said if we if we just be dumb and give the power away then mm-hmm. we're we're not causing uh, an elevation of the standards of this industry and uh, you know I, I think that's well, something that we can do yeah exactly we're blaming the industry and not, not actually taking responsibility for our part and the part that we exactly playing. exactly. It's, and it's too expensive a risk, really. At the end of the day, we work too hard, life's too short. Yeah. There's, the, there's, there's the date we were born and the date we die, the date we're dust, and there's this, the dash in the middle. And the dash in the middle, real estate provides an opportunity for us to live an extraordinary dash. And just please remember, there's, it's a partnership where you are in partnership with your representing agent and agency. You don't give, you know, you don't give your power away. It's a dance. Lovely. Tanja, thank you so much for joining us. And and we will actually pop um, in the show notes, we'll pop a link to your website as well and any other resources that you might want to um, to sure. share with our audience, then send them through and we'll pop them in the show notes. Would love to. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. And congrats again on elevating all of our awareness on the pitfalls and trials and tribulations <laughs> of doing this thing called real estate and property. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Tanja. We want to make you a better elephant rider. And this week's elephant rider training is... When Tanja was talking about buyers needing to do research, well, of course, it's singing to our hymn book. This is exactly what we talk about on the podcast all the time. But I just want to remind you about the importance of doing your own pricing research. Now, Tanja did mention that, yes, you can buy a $100 report from RP Data or CoreLogic and, and press a button and get an idea about what your home's worth. Um, yes, you can, but they're not very reliable. You know, the only way to do that, right. and likewise when you're buying a property, is to actually 
yourself do the research and look at recent sales and compare them honestly with the property that you either own or you're looking at selling, uh, sorry, looking at buying and really work through where that property sits in relation to everything else that has been selling in the marketplace. And you've got to make sure that they are relevant sales. They are mm. you know, slightly inferior, slightly superior or comparable and how long ago they sold. And, you know, and be mindful too that, individual sales can have individual circumstances uh, relating yeah. to them. But um, there, I do have a free course on this on Home Buyer Academy. So it's actually homebuyeracademy.com.au forward slash free course. I'll pop the um, link in the show notes, which actually just is a short three video course. It t- takes you through the process, but you can get online yourself. You can look in domain and realestate.com.au. They both have sold sections. So you can search for sold properties. As I said, be careful that they're not too long in the tooth, uh, those sales, but you know, this information is out there and you can um, you can access it and you do need to put in the legwork to get a true sense of where any property sits price-wise. I think it's one of the biggest mistakes you're going to more likely make when, you know, you're new to the market and you haven't done many opens, you haven't done many auctions, or if the property just all of a sudden comes out of the blue, because a lot of good properties are selling really fast, I imagine, Veronica, on your scene. Um and so, you know, all of a sudden this listing comes up or a pre-listing and you hear about it and you've got to make a decision really fast. So it's, sometimes buyers can kind of skip over that and just pay whatever the agent wants rather than making sure it's a pretty fair deal. Totally. And in fact, if you remember, we interviewed Kylie Walsh from Die Jones some way back. Um, a good one for, for to go back to and listen to to understand sort of what's going on in the, in the world of agency. And, um, and she did say that, you know, agents know that the buyer that buys a property around the corner from their home because they happen to be walking past and went, oh, my God, that's up for sale. I've always loved that house. The ones that are out of the market and are not current in their information and their knowledge are very likely to overpay. Please join us for our next episode when we're talking about social data and how it informs us about how our neighbourhoods and communities are behaving, that is, people within these neighbourhoods and communities, and why is this important. Quite a fascinating discussion with Lucinda Hartley from Neighbourlytics, and we find out that there's a bit of a paradox. Neighbourhoods that look the same, often underneath the bonnet, are very different, and neighbourhoods that look very different are often very similar. If you are wondering what the hell I'm talking about, you need to tune in next week. If you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or North Shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au. If you're looking to buy your first home, thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team love to carefully guide you on this journey. And most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. If you're a first home buyer and you don't want to miss a step with this most important purchase, join me on Wednesday nights at 7.30pm Sydney time on the Home Buyer Academy Facebook page for live Q&A. Check out the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. Every month, my team hosts a webinar on what we are seeing at the banks, the best rates, changing policy and their service. We also share the latest insights we hear and read that are impacting the property market direction. Check out wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember, don't be a dumbo.